All right. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about rule number three. You must refrain from rewriting except to editorial order. But first, let's talk about bookworms. We should have it available next week. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping to have everything finished by Monday. What is that? It'll, it'll be out before the 1st of February. Okay, so that will be um, our Bloody Valentine issue. Yes, this will be the fourth issue. Yeah. Um, Seems like you've been doing it longer, though, doesn't it? It just kind of feels that way. Well, it's four, but it's been over a year at this point, I guess. That's true. If you want to find my newsletter, it's in the show notes. Also, my articles on writing is on Medium, also in the show notes. We have Regina's Haunted Library on YouTube. You can find that in the show notes, as well as my YouTube. Our Instagram for Bookworms is at bookwormshorrorzine. And Carney, so what's the news with Carney this week? Well, um, not much news. I got a really great review. <laughs> it's just always nice, just you know, from a reader, not a, a major publication or anything. Right. But, but I, it's funny. It's the book seems to have a. It, it's a bit polarizing as far as some people really love it and some people really don't because of what we had discussed before. I yeah. did a, a blog post about unlikable characters, which I think you read, and uh, but it was nice to read a good review from a reader who, who seemed to like it for the right reasons, meaning like how, how I intended the book to come off. He seemed to have really gotten. So that's nice. Yeah. And I'm happy that when I read it, they are characters, whether you enjoy the character and he's flawed or not, he's a well fleshed out character versus the last two books I've read. So the one was the James, James Patterson book. And now I'm mm-hmm. reading this other book called The Haunting by Nicole Press, something like that. I found it at Target, and I just picked okay. it up. No, I don't know that one. I don't. I didn't know. I don't know who she is. I didn't know, you know, her series of books. But I picked it up, and boy, these characters are just as thin as like Patterson's, if not thinner. And it, so it's refreshing mm-hmm. to have somebody you would care enough about to find them, maybe not Despicable. your. Yeah. <laughs> Because in these characters, I don't have one way or the other. Like, at least if there were meat on the bones, you could be like, okay, this guy upsets me for some reason. That's better than these characters don't even feel like they would exist in the world. They're so thin. Yes. I mean, I, like I said before, that is my biggest complaint about most books, especially newer fiction, is the characters feel very thin. They feel very... Boring, I guess. Yeah, and or what's crazy about I just that? find them boring. No, but you know what's bizarre to me is James Patterson is working in a world of like spies and espionage and murder. Mm-hmm. And this new book is about this kind of serial killer in this town and these teenagers. And, and it's like you have these extreme events happening and yet it's boring. Hmm. Because the characters are boring. Yeah. Is that his one of his, I forget the name of his main detective. Well, this one is Alex Cross is the Patterson Alex one. Alex Cross, yes. And, yes. I've, uh, I've read one of his, one Alex Cross book before. So I think he has several different detectives. One of my favorite kind of a detective serial is the McNally books. Have you ever read the mysteries? They're along the lines of, of the um, 
James Patterson kind of books. But what I really like about the McNally character, the main character, is he's a playboy and he's kind of a jerk. So <laughs> maybe I'm just kind of like jerks. You like jerks. I don't know. Well, not in real life, but in, in a, I guess I find characters who are more like people, how people really are, which let's face it, we're all different combinations of good and bad or shadow, our shadow self. And I think that needs to come out in a main character at some level or else it is boring. Yeah, I agree. Because characters, just like people, are not just who they sh- the face they show to the public or to the world. There's another side. And that's, I think, when I read a book, any book, I want to know a little more about that hidden side because it's not out there in the, in the world so much presented. So you want to see it and you want to experience it. Maybe know that you're not so alone. Yeah. And, and if you want to join us on the discussion of Dag and the book Carney, you can pick it up online, Amazon. It's in the show notes. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on how you feel about the characters. Yes. And I'm actually going to be doing a giveaway of some free signed copies print copies of Carney soon on my YouTube channel. So you might want to keep an eye out for that. Maybe you'll want a free copy. Yeah. And if you like this podcast, go review it on whatever podcast app you are listening to it so we can reach more people. All right, let's jump into this third controversial rule. I just have a little bit of a caveat going in is that rules are not set in stone. They're they're principles that may be, Help, have helped people in the past, but it's all about finding your own way and making up your own rules and what works for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like no one has to follow these, like, like the commandments or anything, even though they probably would be helpful. Yeah. That's all. I'll say that the other thing we want to take into consideration is that when he wrote these rules, he was working in a time period where, trying to get as much out to the magazines as possible. And it was more like a numbers game. And Yes, and I think there are still writers who are playing that game. Well, I think it's sort of, doing that. I think it's back to that way because now that you have your kind of online self-publishing with different websites, I think it might be beneficial to follow this rule, but you still have to, you become the edit, the editor who says, okay, it's ready to go. But let's jump into it. Yeah. It says, oh, yeah, let's, let's discuss what the rule You is. must refrain from rewriting except for editorial order. So what he's saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's saying, you know, write your story and ship it out there and hope that it gets accepted. And then if the editor comes back and says, this is great, we want it, but make these changes, that's when you do the rewriting. Yes, but I think where this rule gets a little misunderstood is it it may be thought of as just write the first draft and send it out. Like, don't bother to polish or edit. And I don't believe that's what he's saying but he might be like maybe at, at that time Heinlein could do it in one shot and mail it out and put the next blank piece of paper in the uh, typewriter and, and move on. Like some people can do a very polished first draft. I am not one of them. 
but I, I I don't think that 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 rule means just put out like half baked, half finished, unpolished work. I mean, you can, but you, yeah, you're I agree. I don't think that is the that. advice. I think you might be right that it might have been that he was at a place where he could shoot these things out quickly and get them out. But I think that he had a period prior to that where he must have gotten a lot of practice in to be able to do that. So I don't think if you're starting out, it's really bad advice to send out a first draft. Right, right. Uh, and I, I would say I mean, not even if you're depends. just starting out. It's period. It's a bad, a bad advice. Yes, I remember uh, Stephen King. Of course, he's probably very polished with his first draft. But he said in his book, I believe he does one draft, two drafts, and a polish. So that's three passes. And then he has you know, professional editors. If you don't have professional editors, like I don't, I do have a proofreader that I use who's, who's very good, but, uh, but they're expensive even to, uh, to get a proofreader and, and they don't catch everything. So you have to go over it many times, but I don't really think that's what the rule is about. I, I think it means don't tinker with it too much. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. That's like how I interpret be it. Tinkering with your story until you've almost polished it down to nothing. Yeah, and I don't know who said it, but I will paraphrase it's that great art is never finished. It's always abandoned. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're getting at. Like, Write your draft, do your tinkering, do your polishes, but don't wait for perfection. Don't keep working on it until the place where it's like you'd never, ever put it out there. Right, because that could be its your its own form of procrastination. Like I'm, you, I'm, I'm not. It's not ready yet. It's not ready. It's like sort of a cliche about the tortured artist working on the, you know, the symphony until he's found dead in this flat, and then it's it's produced and it's this genius thing, and you know, he's <laughs> dead and he never knew it. But like you have to at some point set the baby out the door, the baby grow, grows up and raise the next child from a really bad metaphor. But I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and this falls into last week's rule. If you haven't listened, last week's rule, well, it was two weeks ago, I guess, at this point, but it was rule number two, you must finish what you start. And if you do the tinkering the way we're saying not to do it, you will never finish. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I, I may have told this story before, but I knew this, I won't name names, but I knew this guy over 30 years ago. This is when I lived in New York. And he, we both worked at the same restaurant one summer. And he was, you know, he introduced himself as a writer and he did have a bit of a snobby attitude. Mm -hmm. Like he was going to be this great writer and no one else, you know, understood him. And, and I would remember asking like, well, when are you going to, you know, put something, you know, did you publish anything? Do you, do you have an agent? Oh, no, I, I have to wait till, you know, something's good enough to put my name on it. It was like that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, out of curiosity, a few years ago, I did look him up <laughs> on Goodreads. Uh -huh. And he had one, it's probably the same thing he was working on forever. He had one, I think it was a self-published work, had very few reviews. The, the few reviews it did have was very confused about what it was. I sound like I'm being really <laughs> bitchy here, but you know, <laughs> if he hadn't been such a snob toward me, then maybe I wouldn't be yeah. so bitchy about it. But I just happened to notice. I was like, Oh, so this is what, this is the big project you were always afraid to kind of finish. Well, 
maybe you should just keep working on some other stuff. Yeah. Just my opinion. But a lot of people use these excuses of why they aren't writing or why they aren't producing uh, art. Yeah. And I, I watched a video yesterday. It was actually really good. Uh, that She's a big booktuber, Cindy something. She did a big rant video about the book Yellow Face. Have you heard this book? It was... I forget the name of the author. She's like a she's like the it girl in uh, young young author who's who's written a lot of books and she's like the new it, literary it, it girl. But she's kind of controversial in some ways. But one thing that this and I didn't agree with this girl at all. What Cindy was saying was that well, it's easy for this author because she's from a rich family and she's you know she went to a a prep school a thirty thousand a year dollar a year prep school and she went to Harvard and Yale and all these big schools. So of course she's going to be, have a chance to be a, this big author. And although I understand what she's saying, it's also like, yeah, but you can't let that stop you. You can't let that. So I'm in my sixties and I'm still working on this stuff. If you're going to write, if you're going to be any kind of artist, that motivation comes from within. You can come up with a million excuses why you shouldn't do something. But the only reason you should do it is because you have to do it. So this idea of like, well, you know, she was privileged. Well, yeah, she is, but that's life, honey. A lot of people are privileged in different ways. And it is much more difficult for a person my age to break into it than someone who's young and full of potential because that's much more, the younger person is much more appealing to publishing house i imagine because they this is like a career ahead of them a long career they can be nurtured they they look you know cute when they go out on the book tours or yeah. whatever not that i'm not cute but you know what i'm saying it, it, it's it's a but i'm not there saying oh it's not fair i'm too old if i used you know thought that was an excuse i would have never done anything i mean i was making films in my 40s i felt like i was too old then that was almost 20 years ago yeah you know well so you know, my point is, is that if, if you're looking for and this is a little bit off topic, but there are so many excuses. And I think it, it does tie in with Highland's rule, because if you think I, well, I'm not ready yet because I'm going to tinker with this project until I've tinkered it to death. That's just another excuse. Yeah. The book is Yellow Face and the author is R.F. Kuang. Yes. yes, um, yes. And so just to. It's about I, the publishing industry. It's like a satire on the publish on the new publishing industry with book talk and all this kind of stuff. I haven't read it, but I want to. It sounds interesting. Yeah, I haven't read it either. But I will say that I think rule three is fear-based because you're just afraid of putting something out there that might not be good enough. And what if I would have fixed that one sentence? Would it have been accepted? So you keep working on stuff to find out what is it in this story that's going to stop it from being successful. And I think that the idea that somebody has all their ducks in a row because they're privileged is also a fear-based thought because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people who aren't privileged that make it in the industry, probably more so like, you know, like that are just from average places. And there, there's something to say, like, even if you went to Harvard and even if you had money, you still have to sit down. You have to write. You have to finish what you're writing. You have to, you know, edit and polish. You have to do all these things unless she paid a ghostwriter a lot of money to make a book 
that here's the other thing. There's no guarantee whatever somebody writes who's got money is going to be good. Or, or is going to sell. Or, or is going to sell, right. It may be and I think this brilliant, author, but it won't sell. She's, uh, like I said, she's a bit controversial. She takes on some controversial uh, subjects in her work. But she's very prolific. She's like popping them out and lover or hater. I, I, think it's, I think it's great. I think it should be an inspiration for other writers. But look, in any creative field, and you know this from being a rock and roller, there's a lot of jealousy. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the first thing you hear about Taylor Swift is she comes from money. And there is some truth to that. There is truth to the fact that she has family who could say, look, uh, we'll get you the most expensive recording studio, but... And, and we'll make sure, but that has nothing to do with like having money to record music and maybe having some connections. There's something else that Taylor Swift is doing that's beyond, and whether you like her or not, there's something she has that. Yes, I, I, mean, I, I understand. If she didn't have the goods, she wouldn't have made it because there are plenty of people with money behind them. Yeah. whose careers never take off because maybe for whatever reason. But uh, I think it. we all have different levels of privilege, some more than others. But I think if you're going to be an artist, you can't let that stop you ever. Yeah. Because potential is in, it's not really climbing the mountain. Your potential is really kind of stepping off into the void and being who you are and letting your potential lead you well, you know, Ray, Ray Bradbury had kind of a uh, a quote that sounds like what you're saying. He's like, you you jump off a cliff and build wings as you're falling. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. We just you just got to do it if you're going to start. First of all, you shouldn't have time to think about those other people because you're too busy writing. The minute you start thinking about those right. other people, you should say, you know what, I should go write something. Right, and not everyone who's critiquing this. Uh, author or writers a lot of them are professional booktubers you know or librarians i say professional but they're they're maybe they're not making money at it but they are obsessed with books and they love to review books and they don't necessarily write their own books so there are different levels of how people are in interacting with this these books but if you are a writer and you want to be a writer and you find yourself burning with envy that's a sign that you should be doing something, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're doing uh, something you want to do, and you're not doing they're it. They're doing something you want to do, so maybe you should do that. Uh, looking at them and do that. Yeah, let's get back to rewriting. So, how mm-hmm. do you have a number of drafts that you feel like you do, or is it just I'm just going to keep going until I feel like it's ready? Well, it depends. But for the last one, for Carney, I I gave myself a a deadline by doing a uh, Amazon pre-order. Do you know what that is? Yes. So I don't know how to set it up, but I know what an Amazon right. pre-order is. Yeah. Right. Sure. But when you set it up, you have, they, they give you a deadline. Now you can go and like ask for an extension, but you can say, okay, in a month. And you can, I think you can set your own time limit. It's like when my book was almost, at, almost ready, I gave it a month. So now I have a month. And if I don't upload it by the certain date, then Amazon can like, I don't know, do some kind of not 
cancel my account, but put, suspend me for pre-order. I don't know, something. So there's some kind of punishment involved. Yeah. So that set a deadline for me, and I really worked toward it and worked hard toward it. I mean, I was working up to the last minute before they lock they lock that file. So <laughs> it's kind of like a, a drama. Yeah. A little bit of a drama. But I think you need to set some time limit for yourself. Other, Otherwise, you're just polishing and that same manuscript forever and maybe it needs to you need to let it go and move yeah. on to something else and it will be scary i know like whenever i send something out i'm like oh my god like i i have that big fear that i there's a whole weird sentence that i might have missed or something that's awful and like why did i do that oh well there is there always isn't like i'll go back and i'll you know the, the mistake that you couldn't find on the last day will jump out at you when you get your first print copy and you're going just paging through it yeah you'll see the biggest mistake pop up but that's also part of the the, the learning process but i i think uh dean wesley smith when he talks about this i think he just writes and then hits publish and moves on to the or i think he has his own publishing company or something he just kind of doesn't go back he probably has an editor or proofreader i imagine everybody needs that because you can't always find your errors yeah and, uh, but i think this helps me say you know what it's got i have to move on let's put so there's a contest i can't i don't know it's i guess it's a contest or submission for an anthology coming up which i talked about in my latest newsletter so if you want to see the link to this contest and you want to participate oh, right. yeah that it's called fear of clowns which that's funny carney just came I, out no i thought of that i thought of do i have a missing chapter can i do like a a, clown, a carney supplement i was thinking about doing that and going back and doing a story starting with carney when he in the middle ages when he was the court jester yeah i thought you of you immediately just that to that in the book yeah i thought of that immediately like carney could get a little short story uh mm -hmm. it's due i think april 1st okay i have time and uh i think it's less than four thousand words Great. so to me, I was like, here's a chance to just make sure I have to I have to follow these rules in order to get this done. I have to write it, you know, as much as I can. I have to finish what I start. I'm going to have to edit. Now, here is like I, I can write without editing until I feel like I got the story. But then I got until April 1st to do my tinkering. Mm -hmm. And so that's. Where this third rule really comes into play is like, you know, you got to you got to stop somewhere. And I love you brought it up. I think a couple episodes was to, hey, submit to stuff because you have deadlines. And that is one way yes. to make sure you finish. But it's also another way to make sure you learn how to edit in a timely manner because you have to get it done at some point. Yes. And, the, and the, what is the. Second part of the rule, unless to editorial demand. Yeah, except to editorial order, meaning. Except to edit. Right. Yeah. If the, if the editor comes back, if you submit a short story, let's say to a, an anthology, and the editor comes back and says, oh, you know, I love your story. We want it in the anthology, but could you whittle it down? You know, can you whittle off 100 words or something? And then you're like, okay. Yeah. Or they'll say, can you just you know pump up this part or something mm -hmm. but that that's the point like you know if they love your story and they want to put it in then sure they might 
come back and say, do you mind tweaking this? And then we'll, you know, we'll work with you until it, it gets published. And yes, no, I've never been through that process where I've worked with an editor with a back and forth type of thing. So I don't know what that relationship is like, but I'd be curious to find out sometime. Yeah. But I think that um, looking for contests or looking for anthologies to get into is is a good way of practicing a lot of these rules. Because that's where Heinlein comes from. That's his thing was just writing short story stuff and getting it out there to little magazines or big magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what he did to succeed. And I think there might have been a place between when he was writing and today that a lot of these markets kind of fizzled out. And now because of the internet, a lot of these markets are more like instead of published in a physical book, they're like online uh, Mm -hmm. markets. Well, yeah, just the other day, and I wrote a a short blog about it. One thing I'm trying to do is update my blog more. Like I'm trying to do like, like you're doing with your medium and your other, your newsletters. I'm trying to get my, my blog, do something, anything at least once a week, you know? Yeah. And so I wrote a blog recently about just, I had an hour and I'm trying to finish these unfinished things I started. And I had this great book cover that I bought like two years ago, but I had an idea that I was going to be a longer work. And there was a Wattpad contest coming up with the deadline. I think it was February 1st. And I'm like, I'm just going to take this hour and I'm going to write a short story for this specific contest that had a prompt so I had to adjust my idea a little bit done now I don't know if I'll win but I it, I finished it I finished this project and I used that book cover and it feels really good and hey if I win uh, or, or place in this contest that would be great yeah that's what I said like I I'm putting it out there here's my thought is I'm writing it to finish it to feel good once it's out there that's out of my hands so I, I cannot put any like pressure on myself about whether I get s- selected. However, mm-hmm. I have a backup. If it doesn't get selected, that doesn't mean I can't submit it. Well, that doesn't mean I can't self-publish it, but I'm trying to just not self-publish and see what I can submit to, to learn that, you know, that part of it. And mm-hmm. uh, so even if you don't get accepted to the first thing, doesn't mean you can't submit that to something else or publish it yourself. Right. Because what I've done with my short story collections is I will submit quite a few of them. And I've gotten a few accepted into other people's anthologies, but you know, most of the time you get, you get rejected. And then in a year I have a file full of short stories and I can do a collection. Right. Which I might do as well. Yeah. Well, my rejected stories. My orphans, yes. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes you go back and well, like I will say uh, about Carney, I did submit Carney to a publisher who was doing it when it was in a pr- pretty draft stage, but I had finished the first draft, and there was an open call, and it did. I won't say who it was, but it did make it to like as a finalist, and nice. then it was, well, yeah, and I felt good about that, but it was not accepted at the end. And I think a lot of the reason why might have been because it was pretty uh, unpolished. It, it had a long way to go. And then I worked on it myself and, and, and self-published it. But 
I still would love to have something published by a publisher. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's a dream, but we'll see. Yeah. What Regina said earlier about having a proofreader, you need to have someone read this stuff. So even if you rewrite and rewrite, you won't know if you need to do stuff until you let someone read it and then ask them questions. You know, there's a, um, it's on Coursera, but it's about fiction writing or creative writing. And this guy has like a list of questions that he asked. Um, Uh Actually, I'll see if I can put that in the show notes or some way, but it's a list of questions that when you hand your stuff to someone, it, you can then ask these questions to see if they got what you're trying to get across. And if there isn't, then that's the section you might want to work on because it's like, no, I didn't get that, you know, or I didn't see that or I didn't understand that. And, and sharing your work with a friend or just be, well, that's, this is another topic, but be cautious, especially in the early stages, who you share your work with. It, there is a lot of trust involved and you want to make sure it's somebody who's honest, but is not going to, I don't know what is the I would word? say honest <laughs> and encouraging. <laughs> honest and encouraging, yes. You know, it's like you need the feedback to work and improve, but you don't need someone who's going to be like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh. Yeah. You know, because then you're just going to be like, oh, I'm not even going to try. But if you have someone like, you know what, I really love this part. And so it's interesting at my place of employment, like we don't have, we avoid negative words. So it wouldn't be like, you need to work on this because you suck at this. It would be like, here's, here's all the things we did well. And here's our opportunities for improvement. Ah. So like, that's kind of, you want someone who's going to do that. Who's going to be like, here's, I see an opportunity here where you can make this a little better. And, you know, uh, but yes. And I think you'd also need to develop a, a thick skin. Like I, my editor, uh, that I use my proofreader, I tell him, be brutally honest. Like, I, And he does. He is. He'll laugh. He'll like put it in the margins. This is absurd. <laughs> what are you doing here? You're sick. You know, like, it's really kind of funny. But I, but we have that kind of trust relationship. Right. But uh, but if you, if you, sometimes when you hand something to a friend, they might might not give you the best advice. But you know, James, that if, if you, we could share work with each other and I, I feel totally fine with that you know yeah like, uh, okay but it is it is a um you have to i would say proceed with caution with that getting back to the editorial demand i think that most of us i would hope wouldn't have a problem with making those changes if we're asked and i think that the the message of the rule is just to not to labor over something too much that's how i interpret it yeah, and you know, trust your gut with people because there are people I know without even even thinking too much about it that I know I would not share with. There's something right. in my gut saying this person would not be a good person because I feel like there's something about them. Maybe it's that envy I feel or something, but I know that they would have some negative effect on me. So I avoid that. And that's not from anything but my gut. And I know I trust my gut when it comes to people. Yeah, you should, because it's, I mean, I remember when what in that writing group that I had, the, the, uh, the screenplay group there, 
there wasn't a lot of, I mean, I, there was a lot, I, I found myself cheerleading a lot of people's projects on, but when it came time to like, well, you know, here's mine, it would be like crickets. And I'm like, okay, is this because I'm leading the group? Like, or they maybe just thought my ideas were terrible, but it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you're cut, you are your first audience. It's like, you're writing this book, hopefully, because this is a book that I would find entertaining. Yeah. And obviously with like my book, Carney, a lot of people over, I think more people liked it that didn't like, I think it found its audience, but a lot of people didn't like it because of, of you know, the, the character or whatever, but that's okay. As long as some people like it and, and some people get it, that's what you're aimed for. Not every, if everyone loves it, something's terribly wrong. Yeah. Then you're not, you're not taking many risks or whatever. And when it comes to like people giving you feedback in the situation Regina is talking about, like a, a workshop or something like that, I think some people, this is true in everything. Like they're not, what is it? Uh, are you waiting to speak or waiting to listen or right, are you listening right. or waiting to speak? I forget what it is, but that's the same thing with critiquing in groups. Some people are there just for you to read their stuff and get what they can from you, but they have no interest in that exchange. Yeah. And, and that's the type you don't want to be around, you know, like you want to be around people who are learning like I would want to do it because when I read somebody else's stuff, I'm like, wow, like I wouldn't have done it this way. And I'm, I'm like saying, well, this is really good. I, I love what you did here. I, I never even thought about having something like that. You're learning by helping others. Yes, absolutely. And there are people who don't care about others. They care about themselves and they're going to come and take whatever they can from you. So if you feel that, like if you feel like Regina was saying that somebody is reading your stuff and have really nothing to offer, then don't visit that person again. Yeah. And it'd be selective. Like there was a, a guy I knew and we, we weren't really that close friends, but I knew he knew a lot about music like you. And I had asked him to look over my, uh, my book, black magic when it was in its infancy to see if I was getting like the, he was a gearhead. Okay. So I was, I was writing about equipment and things like that. And I'm like, oh, I just don't want to rely on my own Google searches. I wanted someone who could really tell that I knew what I was talking about. So stuff like that, I think, uh, is also important. I guess we're a little off topic. But no, I don't, I no, like I don't think the, so. I think we covered the rule. We did. So next week, the rule is you must put your story on the market. And that's kind of, that, I, I would say when we're talking about putting your story on the market means either self-publishing or traditional publishing is what we're talking about because we're not talking about his day and age where there really was, there was self-publishing, but not like it is today. Um, right. So we'll talk about that next week and uh, we'll try to get into why he feels that's an important rule to do. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All our links are in the show notes, and we'll be back next week with a new episode.